I'm very ambitious. I always said that nobody is going to outperform me, but I'm not that stubborn to say I don't allow myself some flexibilities. When I'm looking at recruiting people, I always look at their work style, their commitment, and what kind of human being they are, because good human beings, they will always give 100%. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. In 1995, Jay-Z, Damon Dash, and Kareem Burke founded Rockefeller Records as an independent outlet for Jay-Z's first album. 13 years later, in 2008, Rock Nation was formed from what once was Rockefeller. Now, a lot happened between 1995 and 2008, but we don't need to get into all that. Suffice it to say, the label grew fast and Jay-Z had eyes on expanding into everything beyond just music. Seriously, everything. We're talking full-service talent agency, management, clothing line, touring, media relations, publishing, music school, philanthropy, sports, exhibition network, and greeting card company. Seriously, Rock Nation just struck a deal with American Greetings to create custom cards. Now, we're most concerned with the sports side, so let's lean in there. For the first five years of Rock Nation, so 2008 to 2013, it was all music, music focus. But by 2013, the first big move of expansion at the company was to jump into sports agency marketing and management. Now, I won't claim to be in Jay-Z's head, although that would be really cool. But as an entrepreneur, you can see the parallels between music stars and professional athletes. There's a natural progression here. We're speaking a very similar language. Most athletes I've interviewed want to be rock stars. And I'm guessing many artists would love to be pro athletes. So that leap is not crazy. There's not a totally different language here. All of this is to say it's no wonder Rock Nation has grown exponentially into a power brand in sports. They help make athletes into global rock stars. And I assume they have some kick-ass greeting cards. What I love most about their organization, and I'm guessing most athletes do as well, is their holistic approach to player management and marketing. Now, holistic marketing refers to a strategy that considers the whole of a business and all the different marketing channels as part of a system. Now, under this strategy, Instead of being siloed into different departments, a business with different departments comes together in synergy, pursuing a conscious mission. The conscious mission is to maximize the star, whether that's a music artist or a pro athlete. Everyone works toward that goal. It's like if you want to visualize it, it's like the spokes of a wheel where the star is the axle and all the different business focuses are the spokes. They're all pointing back towards the middle. The whole athlete is considered throughout every process. It's not just contract negotiation. It's not just sponsorship. It's not just social marketing. It's all of it and more. An athlete signs with Rock Nation because they know they are getting more than just one thing. They're getting it all from the very best in the business. Today's guest, Michele Rinchioso, is the VP of Operations at Rock Nation based out of a London office and focused on the -the off-the-field marketing of the professional footballers in Rock Nation's portfolio. If you happen to take a look, Rock Nation's portfolio of professional footballers is some of the biggest names in global sports. It's amazing. Michele is fascinating, and I'm thrilled to get to know him. You will be too. So here is Michele Rinchioso from Rock Nation. The Rock Boys in the building tonight. Hey, Michele, how are you doing today? Hey, Brian, I'm very good. Thank you very much. How are you? I am great. I am super excited to talk to you. As we were just talking beforehand, 
Um, you came highly recommended from former guest Ishveen Anand, who is a good friend of the show. And as soon as she said, I have a friend and VP of operations for Rock Nation, who I think would be great. I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. Let's do it. So thank you so much for, for joining me today. No, thank you very much for your time. I mean, Ishvin is a, well, an impressive person. So I was really, really yeah. grateful and, and actually really pleased when she recommended me. So thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. So you played professional football in primarily in Germany. Uh, and now you are on the side where you're marketing athletes and dealing directly with them. How much did that experience for you being a professional footballer just help you pivot to your current career? Did, did, were there certain things that just made it work really well and seamlessly for you? So definitely it shaped me. I mean, um, I was trying to become a pro footballer at a level where actually my, my clients are right now. And lucky me, I never made it to that level. I was um, earning my living a little bit with, with that. Um, and on that journey, I saw a lot of, let's say, more downs and ups, which actually helped me to understand the scope of what, what football can be. So it definitely helped me to understand the business side um, of things much better. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've interviewed a lot of professional athletes over my career in the media, and most of them have this singular focus on their playing career. They're not thinking about what comes next. They're focused on training, they're focused on traveling, their contracts, all those kind of things. For you, when did you hit that moment where you started to think about your post-playing days career and how did you find this fit for yourself? Well, I think I have to, I have to give credit to my family because my parents, they are workers, they're very humble people. And they were always saying like, well, we, we support you with your football career, but very important is that you don't neglect your studies and your education. So as much as I want to become a top footballer, I always try to, to educate myself and then to finish my A-levels, et cetera, et cetera. So that was already given very young at, at, at my career. Yeah, exactly. So seven years at Puma, after you finished up your professional playing career, uh, before joining Rock Nation, as you look back at that transition from professional athlete to mm -hmm. professional sports marketer, were there moments of doubt or did you feel like this, this is something you felt confident you could really dive into and you were ready to perform at that level as well? Well, I think I would lie if I said I was always confident. <laughs> I think especially when you start a, a new journey and and um, with no experience when I started at Puma, and I'm still very grateful for the experience because they give they gave me so much um, responsibilities at a very young age. Um, I was struggling so many times <laughs> during the journey, yeah. But um, I think the more the more we struggle on on the way, actually, the more experience we gain at some point, and the more confident we become ultimately, right? Is we should not see like the end goal ahead of us. We should rather enjoy the journey. And that's what I've been trying, trying to be positive about it, like trying to not look back. It's like, oh, damn it, what did I do here? Rather than like, oh, what can I learn from that? So definitely I was struggling a couple of times. I still struggle, of course. Um, but the good thing is I always try to be positive and then try to, to move forward. So a lot of people in our audience will probably be surprised to hear. They're like, here's a charismatic, good-looking football, professional football <laughs> player who struggled getting started. So that's humanizing. That makes everybody feel connected to you and anybody else. It makes it feel normal to them as well. What were some of those struggles you had for, for getting started? What were some of those things that stood out to you as like, wow, this is harder than I thought it would be? First of all, thank you very much for, for being the charming. I really appreciate it. <laughs> charming, good looking. There's a theme here. Um, so what were the struggles when I was starting? I mean, obviously, of course, you come, you come into, and that was probably the only positive side here when I started. Um, I knew the football landscape pretty well, right? Um, but when you come in at, at a time, and that's actually one of probably the biggest struggles at the beginning, I was thrown into the international um, headquarter 
and I was confronted with English. At the time, I was quite okay with English, but you know, it's different to have a normal conversation with friends where you can do a lot of mistakes over talking to clients, talking to brands, talking to professionals. And I mean, I still do a lot of mistakes with my languages, but I would say I'm fairly more confident because I have it in my daily routine, right? I'm talking much more English nowadays in comparison yeah. to at that time. So I felt intimidated actually talking to people in English at that time. And I, and probably worst experience, one of my teammates or well, um, mates at the time was Scottish. And he had a very, very Scottish accent. Yeah. <laughs> so I was struggling <laughs> understanding him. So, but a friend of mine was next to me. He explained it to me. He's like, no worries, you get there. And now yeah. this, this Scottish person is actually a dear friend. And I understand it much better. <laughs> That's hilarious. My wife's company is owned by a Scottish firm and her boss is Scottish. And she's always doing the same thing. She's like, I think I know what he said, but I'm not 100% sure. So <laughs> Exactly the <laughs> same, all, I can tell you. <laughs> we all deal with it. It's hilarious. Um, okay, so one of the things I noticed about when you transitioned to Puma and you grew quickly there, you went from junior manager to manager to senior manager pretty fast, which is a good compliment to you. But one of the things you took on as you grew was more of the negotiation side. You know, you were negotiating deals and sponsorship deals between athletes and brand, as, of, obviously. Um, negotiation is something people struggle with. And we all do it. We all do it every day, whether we realize or not. What are some of those key tenets you've learned as you've gotten deeper into your career of how to make a good negotiation happen? What's your, what's your process? I was lucky enough when I was trying to become a pro footballer um, to often actually negotiate for myself. So my contracts, actually, when I was sitting in front of a sports director, talking to him about my conditions, what I would like to have and not, what is important to me, not, that helped me quite a lot. Because again, in football, everyone is looking at their own parameters, right? They're always trying to get the best deal for themselves. And um, what I learned is always be fair, be transparent, because people start appreciating it even more. So what did I learn? Um, yeah, what do I appreciate is when people are honest to me. So detach yourself from emotions. Don't be, well, don't be offended if people are trying, again, getting the best deal out of it, because it's never personal. Yeah, it's a business. And I think these are the two most important points Detach yourself from emotions and don't take it personal. That's so important because I do, I do think a lot of us take things personally when we're in any kind of a negotiation. If you can separate yourself from that and view it as a negotiation, as a business transaction, it can be a little bit easier. You can take it a lot less personally. And I like that you're talking about being fair and transparent too because then everybody comes out of it feeling good too. I mean, you want both sides to win in some degree, right? Exactly. It should be always a win-win instead of like a win-loss. And even if you look at it often, if it's really heated up and, and emotional, Sometimes you feel like, oh, that's a loss, loss. Yeah, it's not. Nobody is winning here. So why actually continue in that way? That's why sometimes I reset. Like, okay, let's let's give it some time to breathe. Come back after a week or whatever it is, and then let's sit down again and be transparent. And so far, it worked pretty well. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, I've heard people say things like, if both parties are a little bit upset, then that's a good deal. And I'm like, no, we could we can get to no. a point where everybody's happy. Like you want to move forward with a good vibe between the two partners rather than some starting out in a negative standpoint. So I love your perspective there. I think that's important to think that win-win does not mean losing. That means everybody wins. That's good. Exactly. You want that. I agree. Um, at Puma, you also played a role in identifying young next generation talent. That makes perfect sense for Puma to align with. And I think that's super cool. Um, is that something that came instinctually to you where you could see certain things and identify within, because as a former player, 
Or was that something that there was more of a science to, that there were certain attributes you were looking for? How does that go with the talent discovery side? That's a very good question. I mean, when I started, obviously, um, well, and, and Puma was just about to take off, which was quite nice with the former um, or with the now still current CEO. And we said for us, it's very important to, to build actually the, the sports market portfolio bottom up. And you need to have the next generation because, of course, it's nice to have those established big players. But let's be honest. I mean, the next generation is going to be the future and being there long term. And you want to build relationships long term. That's always what I'm saying to everyone. Um, so when we recruited, we looked at, OK, who are the future talents in, it, in the respective territories? And I wasn't only in charge of a certain country. I was in charge of, let's say, the global uh, recruitment. So important to me was, of course, skills. I mean, which player brings which skill set? And then second, uh, very important to me is the attitude. Yeah. When we sat down with, with the agents or the parents, and especially with the parents, we made it very clear that for us, it's always a family aspect. We want athletes to join a family and not just a brand where they can get a lot of money, especially with so much money involved nowadays. Yeah. We don't want to have greedy, bad people around us. And I made it very clear. I rather stepped away of players when I felt there was a toxic environment. I said, like, listen, that doesn't work for us. Yeah. So we missed out maybe on a few players. I could name, of course, <laughs> a couple of them. <laughs> but I tell you, at the end of the day, it always served the best cause or our best cause at Puma. So it depends, really. Yeah. But I love that long term perspective, too, is that, you know, you want to build that long term relationship. And it sounds like from everything I've read on you and a lot of the different people, you know, comments on you is that you have always had a focus on that long term relationship building which I think is fundamental in, in life, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's switch to Rock Nation a little bit. This is really cool going from a, a, an iconic brand like Puma to uh, an iconic agency like Rock Nation. Um, what's been that biggest difference going from the brand side to the agency side? Has that been like a completely fundamental change for you? Um, definitely it was. Maybe from, from the work style perspective, um, maybe just to mention as well, when I was at Puma, my, again, coming to long-term vision, you, you just said, my vision was in the way how I, well, I was also hopefully perceived in, in our team. I wanted to grow like long-term in, in, at Puma and becoming actually the one below um, our CEO and driving the entire sports marketing, legal and license business. And I always said it to my former boss actually as well. And he knew that. It's like, listen, I want to have your chair at some point. <laughs> and, and he looked at me, he's like, no problem. Just work hard yeah. and continue your path and it will happen at some point. Like, okay, cool. Um, that in between things change and we know how it is in life. Things can change um, quite quickly. I have been working then, obviously, or I was working with my now business partner and boss, um, Mike Yomark, for almost two years from a Rock Nation perspective. When they come over to London um, on Roman Lukaku and further clients, um, and we came into a really good groove, right? And and at some point, it just made sense to to yeah jump and to pursue another career path. So if I have to compare Puma and Rock Nation, I would say Puma was really down to sports marketing, whereby Rock Nation now I was given a much broader scope of work and, and much more responsibilities. Yeah, I grow here as a human being and in my career much broader than I could have probably done at, at Puma. Yeah, that's really cool. Um- you said in there that, you know, you looked at your boss and said, that's where I want to be. And that, and you were very transparent about it, which I think is funny. Um, <laughs> yes. Are you a goal oriented person? Like when you were playing, did you say like, this is where I want to be? And when you're working, you're like, this is where I want to get to. Is that help you being having that broader, bigger goal? I'm very ambitious. 
that's it. And I always said that nobody is going to outperform me. When I'm when I'm <laughs> setting a goal, I kind of like work really hard and I'm gonna be committed to achieve that goal. But, and the good thing is I'm not that stubborn to say, I don't allow myself some flexibilities here and there because you don't enjoy the ride, right? If you're just like, oh, I wanna go there and I only I'm going to go for that one goal, then you lose sight and you lose all the adventures and the fun part of, of, of the journey. So I always set certain goals, but I allow myself to enjoy the ride and to, to experience much more than the only vertical probably can give and, and offer. I love that. So you talked about being broader now where on, you know, you were very focused in sports marketing at Puma. And now as the VP of operations, you have a bit of a broader lens um, how would you describe it? How would you describe the differences? What are the key tasks you have now? And, and how is this role kind of defined for you? Um, I think the easiest to explain and when people ask me that question is, I can see I'm, I'm more like a general manager and being really in charge of the London operation or the international operation in London. So that includes obviously commercial sales side of things. That, that includes the marketing. Um, the social digital side of things. That also includes the football side of things. I'm more involved in rugby and cricket as well now from our side. So basically I make, I make sure that our business is running smoothly on a day-to-day and together with my business partner, Michael, um, we are setting the strategy moving forward and well, look obviously on the mechanics like the financial side, et cetera, et cetera. So if you ask me what I'm doing every day, it's quite a challenge because it varies <laughs> completely from day-to-day, different yeah, yeah. every day. But it's much broader and to make it sound much easier, it's like a GM yeah, for like a major company, so to speak. Yeah, you have your hands in just about everything and, and overseeing so many different parts and pieces. <laughs> yeah. And now you're telling Jay-Z, I'm coming for your job. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I would need to start to rap, right? <laughs> that would be very I, I, w- I would love to see it. Oh. Let's make it happen. Oh, trust me. I think not many people would like to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I would. Uh, <laughs> so last year, I love the fact it's very clear that, you know, on the, on the Puma side and the sports marketing side, you know, you really had to be focused on how your brand was being associated with these athletes. And now it's like, you just widen out that lens. You know, you just have so much more you have to worry about or value your athletes on a, on a lot of different fronts as you're talking about. So you clearly have your hands in a lot of things. Last year, Rock Nation hired FA certified agent Alan Redmond as head of football and you as the VP of operations, would you call this kind of the holistic approach of saying on the field, off the field, we're going to make sure our athletes have full coverage? Um, when we spoke about me coming over, uh, Michael and me, we obviously looked and, and reassessed um, what we have in London. And clearly, which, which stood out for me and, and him, it was we, need to, we needed to make some changes here. So Alan was a dear friend of mine. I've been working with him for the past 10 years. And, and I recommended him and said, look, we need to get him because he is the exact right person, having the right values, the right DNA, the right work ethics, and I trust him to 100%. So him coming with me was actually my, my holy grail, my, my masterpiece, so to speak. So to your point, yeah. yeah, there was actually the last missing piece to get a 360 approach, as we call it, like the on-pitch and the off-pitch. Yeah. So yeah, it was important to me to have him with me. Oh yeah, it gives you so much faith and trust to know that you have somebody that you're you're aligned with philosophically, you work well together, it gives a lot more confidence. Yep. To that front, if you're managing all these different parts and pieces, clearly you're not doing it yourself, you have a team. Um, well, how would you describe your leadership style, your management style? How do you like to get everybody working? Well, let, let's put it that way. I always say a brand stands and falls with the people working for it, right? So when I was, when I'm looking at recruiting people, I always look at 
the, their work style, their commitment, and what you what kind of human being they are. Because I always say you can teach people everything. People can learn everything. If it takes a bit longer or not that long, that depends really on, on let's say, um, on the commitment. But at the end of the day, if they're good human beings, and if they feel committed to you, they will always give 100%. So my leadership style is really about uh, being humble, keep your head down, work hard, yeah, and you will ult ultimately get there. So I trust people. Once I trust someone, you have my 100% support and do whatever you need to do. I provide you with a frame and you can come up with the best solutions, what you feel is right. Yeah, Enjoy the ride, have fun, try and fail forward, as I always say, yeah, and then learn from the experience and yeah, let's grow together. Yeah. I love that. Now I want to come work for Rock Nation. <laughs> Please, <in London>. come. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see an application. No, my bosses are probably listening. I shouldn't say that out loud. Um, okay, so I'm always curious too, when you sign on a new client, somebody new comes in, you guys have recruited them, you brought them into the Rock Nation fold. What's that like at the beginning? You just spend a lot of time just kind of getting to know each other or like how does it kind of develop and build from there? Well, I think it's with everything. And again, we start with, um, with an athlete being a human, right? A human being is um, when we when we recruit someone, someone is really deciding to come on board. I hope we did already a couple of things right on, in the process, yeah? Yeah. Um, and then we sit down and it's never about us. It's always about the client or the athlete or the human being. We sit down and ask him, what is your interest? What are you interested? What is your aspiration? What do you want to achieve? It's never about us, right? Because we're also individual. What I like might not fit actually you. What does you fit does not fit anyone else. So. For us, it's about getting to know the client um, better to understand what is his or her priority and then execute against that, what we achieve, what we want to achieve together. So it takes a lot of time, but again, it's all long-term and we want to work more boutique and exclusive. We don't want to have too many because then you lose this personal note and touch. Um, so yeah, that's why we invest a lot of time in getting to know our clients much better, especially in the beginning. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that you, you have trust with your staff how hard is it to build trust with a client too? Because I would imagine for a lot of athletes, they're used to people trying to take from them or ask for things or want things. And you're trying to build a relationship and trust is a huge part of that. Are there certain things you have to do and just be patient to kind of develop that trust? And we have a lot of people in our audience that are, you know, working with athletes and trying to build relationships. Like how have you started to go about like, I don't know, just building trust with, with athletes so that they, they know and can believe in, in your process. Yeah. So what we do, and that's what we're always telling all of our clients when they come on board, we have like an onboarding where we bring our, we call it A-team. It's never about one person. So for instance, I know that the traditional agencies, they always bring one person, they have only one dedicated person. We are the complete opposite of that. We bring our A-team and we introduce our A-team to our clients. And then all our subject matter experts, as we, we name them, they have access to our athletes because again, I don't need to talk about social digital with my client when I know I have an expert here who can go in the, in the, in the weeds and in, in and out, right? So we wanna make, well, we do hopefully <laughs> make them feel comfortable with our people here on board. And again, it comes really down to the people working for the brand, right? If we feel there's a toxic person, then we need to probably make some changes. But so far I can say we have a great, great team and all of them are really committed to what we wanna achieve here and all our clients, so far, I feel very well and, and committed as well. That's good. It's great. You build a team that you believe in and trust that are subject matter experts, and you trust them to be with your clients, develop trust and, and build this whole unit working together. And it's just, it starts to really all fit together and work. It's brilliant. Yeah. So I personally think 
football players are a marketer's dream come true. It's not like in, in American football where they're covered with helmets and pads. It's not like in a lot of other sports where it just doesn't connect quite as well. I think football players have to be a dream come true. I mean, the obvious connection, Rock Nation, entertainment, music, but like, how do you look at your players and say, I'm going to make you a rock star? Like, <laughs> what's kind of your process for saying, like, I know we can maximize this? Are there certain things you try to accomplish? I mean, if you look at, I mean, quite frankly, if you look at our European portfolio, I call it like that now. I mean, every footballer likes music and wants to be a musician. Yeah. And somehow our musicians always like to be sportsmen, right? Or sportswomen. So it's kind of like there's <laughs> that's a, so it's a, it's a natural synergy that can be created here as a natural like flow, right? Yeah. So that's why it's a, it's a no-brainer. It's easy for us because our portfolio in the U.S. with all our musicians, our talents and artists, they ultimately come over here to Europe and then they want to go to see games. I mean, I, I remember, I think Rihanna going to her Arsenal game at the time. Yeah. Oh, or I know crazy. Jay was trying a couple of times to come over to Europe and to watch games. And yeah. he is so much more involved now with football, I can tell you. Um, so it's a, it's a natural for us to obviously build a bridge and to bring them over and to connect them. And I can tell even one of our youngsters and top athletes are also connected to US talents. Yeah, they, they talk to each other. They're like, oh, sharing experiences. What do you think? How is it with you? How is it in the US versus how is it in Europe? So that's, of course, yeah. we try to build bridges to bring them together. Yeah, because that's all, like, if you look at Rock Nation, I mean, we're a global brand. We're not that big, but we're still, as a company, and the name big, right? Oh, very big. I, I, to me, it, it's, it screams out global brand, and it's clear that Rock Nation is investing in the international and global scene, which is, I mean, where you can really start to flex your muscles. There's a lot going on in the world of sports marketing. Yeah. It feels like there's been a lot of see changes, like fundamentally different changes. And I mean, we can lift them all off here, but we really don't need to. One that always strikes me is the new NFT phenomenon. Um, what's your take on the new market? Is that here to stay? Is that kind of a, is that a really cool, great opportunity or is it a passing fad? Like, I'm not sure what I think. So I'd love to hear from you. What do you think about this whole NFT thing? It's actually funny because I think in um, February, March, when it kind of like kicked off, wasn't it, was it with LeBron? The first yeah. one being um, like mm -hmm. investing into that. I was investing a little bit of time into that. I know our chief digital officer also invested a lot of time in that. It is a great opportunity, of, of obviously, for athletes to monetize again their their assets, right? Yeah. I'm not sure if it's if it's sustainable for me personally because I think nobody really knows where this can go to. Yeah, I think nobody really knows um, what to de what to do with it. I think right now it's a trend. I believe in ten years time or five years time it's going to be gone again. I kind of feel the same way, but I'm always hesitant to think, you know, is that just me talking as a 45 year old guy <laughs> and that young, young people are way into it. It's going to make me sound old, but I kind of feel the same way. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the legs are for this. Yeah. Are there certain other things that are happening in sports marketing right now that are, that are piquing your interest or certain things that you're keeping an eye on? Well, I think there's so much happening, especially, um, I think the way how the broadcasting is changing, right? I think that is quite interesting to see. Whereas like Facebook and all those traditional new social platforms, are they investing um, more and more money into that to, to gain more or attract more people? It's a good question mark. Or the TikToks nowadays. I mean, when TikTok kicked off last year, I personally, I of course jumped on it and invested time because whenever there's something new, I want to know about it. I want to know what, what is yeah. it able to do? What, like, what can it, what can't it do? Um, and for me now, and it's actually funny because I had a conversation with Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne, one of our clients, 
uh, recently about yeah, it. And he, a pretty impressive client. And pretty impressive. Yeah. And pretty amazing human being. Oh, really? Yeah. And, sure. and, 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 I, and I told him, like, listen, TikTok, is that something for you? He's like, Michele, let's, let's look at it realistic. I'm 30 years right. old. Right. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I thought the same. Yeah, I felt exactly the same. But when I look at the demographic, it's not only Gen Z. Yeah, it's also, I think, the mid-20s until the mid-30s, like being really yeah. big on it. Right. So that proves me wrong. Again, I'm just also maybe not the, 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 the target consumer here, but those trends are interesting. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've, it's funny when we're talking about staffing. Um, I've recently hired, you know, four new people onto our staff. And one of my, and they'll probably listen to this, but <laughs> one of my goals is like I wanted to hire some younger staff members because they know this audience so well. Yeah. It's like, I, I can't be the expert of everything. I want some people that grew up with this and really just really understand it and can say, here's what we can do with TikTok and here's how we can make it really work. And I might not have that expertise and that's okay. You know, like yeah. letting go a little bit and hiring the right people that can be your subject matter experts is important, right? Absolutely, 100%. And that's what I'm saying. And then you just actually just confirmed it. Having the right people for the right topic is so critically important, right? Otherwise, I don't know everything. Clearly not. I'm never the smartest person in the room. Right. And, uh, and I don't want to be because then I learn from others. I want to learn from experts, actually, what what is it all about? And how can we maximize the opportunity for our clients? Again, that's an added value for our for our clients in the future. That's just TikTok. And there's so many more out there, I would say. Right, right. I wish I knew that when I was younger getting started. I always felt like I had to know everything. And so I, I, I forced myself into a lot of positions that I maybe wasn't the expert in. And now it's like, I'm totally okay <laughs> not being the expert and to yeah. delegate and to let other people be super smart. And I wish I had learned that earlier. So congratulations <laughs> to you for knowing that already. <laughs> I loved this. You have a quote on your LinkedIn page. It says, the challenge of the unknown future is much more exciting than the stories of the accomplished past. I love that. I will probably steal it and pretend that I came up with it at some point. But why was this? Please. Why was this so important? Why does this align so much with your personality? And why was this important for you to highlight? First of all, please take it. <laughs> it's, it's exciting for everyone. Yes. <laughs> why is it so important to me? I, I think that describes really me and, and my um, approach to life. Um, if we look back, I mean, it's it's a nice memory. It's nice talking about it, but. I'm very much, well, I'm very much into the present moment. Yeah. And if I look back and I'm, I'm always thinking like, oh, what could have done better? Maybe this and that. Then I never enjoy the moment yeah, and the presence. And if you look at it, I mean, the best things are happening right now. Right. I mean, that's what I can influence. So I know there's so much more out there, which I can explore. And I'm a very adventurous person. So I'm, I love to yeah, go to very exotic places and just to, to live it like um, a local person. Because that is ultimately which makes us grow. I always say the best teacher in life is, is travel. And um, that's why I try to live every day being in the moment and just enjoy whatever happens in that moment. Dude, I want to hang out with you. You are impressive. <laughs> this is great. I love that. I love this. Like you have such a positive attitude. Like I'm just sitting here smiling on the other side of the, this is great. Um, okay. We'll finish up with this because I know you have work to get back to. This has been an awesome conversation. I've enjoyed it so much. I read a multitude of people giving you recommendations and referrals through your LinkedIn profile, just people saying nice things about you. And there were two phrases that really stood out to me because they were repeated consistently that you were a great communicator and that you were a positive individual. Obviously everybody listening to this episode can feel the positivity, which is awesome. <laughs> um, 
and the great communication. It's clear and transparent and fair. And you hear these, these trends, but isn't that those two things being a great communicator and being positive, isn't that like half the battle? Like, isn't that just everybody starting out? If they can just say, I'm going to bring a good attitude. I'm going to communicate transparently. Like, doesn't that already put them in a really good position? Well, I hope it's genuine. I mean, that's the most important thing. You should not do it. And also not saying all those, <laughs> those words just for the sake of, of trying to influence or manipulate someone. You need to truly mean it. And I, again, I was raised that way um, in being very honest, transparent, and, and yeah, and fair to everyone. And just enjoy because you don't know what happens tomorrow. Everything could be over. And that's, I know that's kind of like a platitude and people are like, oh, that it's, it sounds so as it's like a, well, a broken record, but I truly try to live it that way. Because again, being happy is so much better than being miserable, right? Yes. <laughs> and I, and I think if you look at it, the world we're in and COVID should have told a lot of people, we should just enjoy our life. I mean, look, I think everything was set upside down, right? What if we approach life with positivity and help each other? I think this little place here would be a much nicer and better place. So 100%, if you generally uh. mean it. <laughs> Michaela, this is awesome. I've so enjoyed this conversation. I'm so glad we finally got able to uh, able to speak to each other and learn. Your English is better than mine, so it's super impressive. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think I think this is a great fit for you at Rock Nation, and it's awesome to see the international portfolio just continue to grow. So, congratulations on everything, and thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Thank you very much for having me. I really, really enjoyed it, and I'm still improving my English, by the way. <laughs> I don't see where you need to improve. It sounds fantastic. I mean, you should teach my kids. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was awesome. Thank you. Speech. Thank you to Michele for coming on the show today. I was super excited to talk to him. He came recommended from Ishveen Anand, which those of you who have listened to the show for a long time are probably familiar with Ishveen. She's been on twice now. She's the CEO of Open Sponsorship. And after our last conversation, she said to me, you got to have Michele on. He'd be great for this. And I want to introduce you to and that's some of the magic that comes from good experiences. And you guys can all put this to action in your own lives as well. If you do a good job, right? You're at a volunteer event. You do a really good stand-up job. You're interning. You do a really, really good job. You're going to get referred to other people, other industry people. If you network with one person and it's a good experience, you do an informational interview, it's a good experience. You do a good job. That is that effect that takes over, your network effect. And things start to grow from there. And I view that from every conversation that I have on this show as well. If I give them a good experience, if they enjoy the conversation, if I ask good questions, if I'm very professional, then they're going to likely recommend me to other people and we're going to get more guests that way. That's the attitude you have to take to a lot of the events that you're in as part of your life. You do that, you have that kind of a focus, and you see where one thing can lead to another, you're going to grow faster than you even realize. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you to Michaela for coming on the show. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to the Work in Sports podcast. We're always churning out new content. We want you guys to always be a part of it. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.